Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. On today's episode, we have Carrie on Instagram. She is known as the Care Bear 1111. My lucky number. <laughs> Four times. Yeah, 1111. It's been popping up in my life a lot lately. So. Um, Carrie has scoliosis and she has had surgery. She's here to tell us her story about the time she was diagnosed until the present. And maybe she'll share with us why 1111 is her lucky number. Carrie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's such an honor, really, because I actually found you, Teresa, through a podcast. Oh, did you? Which one? I don't know if you remember. Um, so it's, I believe it's called Scoliosis Warrior. Eva Butterly. Eva Butterly. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. I did, yeah, I did and- two on hers. I, I think, yeah, I must have listened to at least one. I probably listened to the second one, but um, your story in particular really inspired me because oh. you also did ballet. I did. I and, did. Yeah. And that's where my story starts because I was training to be a professional ballerina and um, I was doing fine. I mean, all my teachers were like, you know, very encouraging and, oh, you've got the perfect body. You've got everything you need, the drive. and. Um, so I was 14 when actually one of my ballet teachers discovered my scoliosis. I had no idea. And you weren't in any pain? No, I wasn't okay. in any pain. I could do everything that the other dancers could do. Um, but it's strange because once I realized I had it, then sort of all the insecurity started flooding in. Yeah. And then I began to feel, I began to feel more limited, unfortunately, and it started to progress more and more. So yeah, flashback to this dance class. Um, I was 14 and we were doing center splits. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were out in the middle of the floor. And so I was doing my center split and she was having us reach forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, my Russian ballet teacher at the time, so she spoke very broken English and couldn't really communicate to me what she was seeing. Mm-hmm. But she came and she took her finger and she traced along my back and she kept going like this mm-hmm. and saying, not straight, not straight. And this is the first time anyone ever said anything to me about that. And I've taken her class before and, you know, we're always bending forward, right. you know, combray forward right. and doing all these bendy right. things with our back. And so I was really, I was not really understanding what she was trying to say, but mm-hmm. she was clearly trying to tell me something's not right with your back. So yeah. I went home that night and I told my mom, I said, I, I think my ballet teacher is trying to tell me that there's something wrong with my back. So she and I went into my bedroom and I had a mirror and we're both like looking at my back and I'm, mm-hmm. we're kind of touching it. And I'm like, well, yeah, there, there seems to be more muscle on the left-hand side. Okay. And, you know, ballet is not exactly, um, 
you have a stronger side and a weaker side, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. And so my mom and I were like, oh, it's probably just you've been working one side harder than the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. But we'll go to the doctor. Um, so we went to the back doctor, had x-rays done. And um, sure enough, I had, uh, what was it, 20 degree curvature um, in my lumbar. Okay. So looking at the x-ray, my gentle C-curve, but nonetheless, it was very shocking because I felt fine, but to Mm -hmm. see this x-ray slapped up on the board, I'm like, what the heck? And I'm trying to be a ballerina. Like, I'm going to tell you. This this doesn't work. This Um, doesn't work. And the doctor that we went to, (laughs) well, actually, there are some professionals out there that have made it. Yeah. You know, I'm so awestruck by them. Yeah. And it also kind of hurts my soul a little bit because I'm like, well, dang it, they did it, yeah. you know, but everybody's yeah. bodies are different. And my, my life took me in a different path and I'm very happy doing what I do now. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this doctor that I went to go see had no like bedside manner. And um, he basically came in with the x-ray and with a spine, a fake spine that already had like the rods and the mm-hmm. bolts in it. And he goes, okay, yep, you have scoliosis. Um, we're going to have to do surgery. And we're like, wait a minute. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> my mom and I started crying. And, and we're like, no, she, she's a ballerina. She wants yeah. to be a ballerina. And um, he didn't. And so we're crying. And he's just kind of staring at us like, what's your issue? <laughs> like very <laughs> so, sterile. Yeah, so we went to another doctor, you know, it's always a good idea to get a second opinion. So Mm -hmm. we got a second opinion. Mm -hmm. And this time my mom came with a photo. (laughs) And it was a photo of me um, sort of lunging forward and doing one of these. And my back was all bent, Mm -hmm. contorted, so you could see that I'm still very capable. Yeah. And my mom comes in and she goes, this is my daughter. She's going to be a professional ballerina. She has scoliosis. What can you do for us? And this guy was sort of of the opinion, okay, well, we'll wait and see. Clearly, you're still very able-bodied. You're young. Actually, ballet is the best thing you can do because it's going to keep you flexible and mobile. And it it promotes proper posture and alignment. So keep doing what you're doing. And we'll just watch and see come in every year we'll Mm -hmm. we'll keep taking x-rays so I did that till I was 19 okay and that's actually when I quit ballet was 19 um why did you 1920 um I went to college okay and so what it was was I I did want to be a professional ballerina Mm -hmm. and I was gonna do it I was like right there I was right on the edge it was based and I I had been going to a um, ballet summer camp with Ballet Austin in Austin, Texas. Okay. And they're more sort of like a contemporary ballet. Um, and so they, you know, they knew I had scoliosis. Mm-hmm. At that point, it had become actually more pronounced. Okay. A lot of it had to do with the fact that I was training so vigorously. So my back muscles were strong. Yeah. But of course, they were asymmetrical. So all the muscles on the right side of my back were essentially atrophied. And the left side of my back was super strong. Okay. And so, you know, I knew how to fake it and sort of give myself yeah. the appearance of being yeah. straight. But yeah. You could still see it if I, you know, combine forward, which is basically where you hinge at the hips and you go all the way forward. Right. You could see it. 
So it was really unattractive looking, if you will. Okay. Were you in any pain from the, from all during this time? Okay. I was in pain and it, but it, it all felt muscular and it was okay. the fact that the muscles were so, um, overcompensating on mm-hmm. the left side to okay. support my crooked spine and the muscles on the right side weren't doing anything. Okay. So the left side of my back all up and down was super sore all the time. Okay. Um, I, I went to a rolfer at this mm-hmm. time in my life while I was still dancing. Okay. And he did deep tissue massage where he would massage into like the fascia of mm-hmm. my muscle mm-hmm. where the muscle connects to the bone. Right. Very painful, but he claimed to have helped other dancers with asymmetries and scoliosis. And he okay. did help me a bit. Okay. He helped sort of balance out my hips. Okay. Um, very painful sessions. I would cry through the whole thing just because, I mean, he would just take his elbow and dig yeah. into all my muscles. Yeah. So I did that. I also had this big therapy bed. It was some um, Eastern European technology it had these jade <laughs> jade rollers that would roll up and down my back okay and the, the, it was a couple that started this company it was called the Sarah Jim bed I don't know okay. if you've ever heard of it I've never but, heard of it but I'm thinking like a nail salon the chairs where they yeah. like yeah that's yeah. what it felt like this one you would lay down completely yeah. flat and their school of it comes from a chiropractic school of thought where chiropractors don't like to do surgery to fix spinal abnormalities or any sort of bone abnormalities and so this it had um far infrared rays Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and these jade rollers and i would get on it twice a day and it was like a 45 minute session it was actually really lovely imagine just getting on a massage bed i was gonna say did it help I think it did. Yeah. At the very least, it sort of softened the muscles around the spine. Okay. And it felt, since it was rolling along my spine, a lot of this might just be placebo effect or psychological, but I felt like it was straightening me out. And it became my ritual, this Sarah Jim bed, until it broke. (laughs) And then the, the company who we originally purchased it from, and the woman, the, the woman owner, had severe scoliosis and okay. swore by the fact that this bed cured her scoliosis. Um, so I believed in it. Yeah. And parts on it broke. We couldn't really get in contact with the company anymore. And then the bed um, was like wildly expensive. We found it somewhere else and it was mm-hmm. a different model. It was more souped up and okay. we just couldn't afford it. So okay. that sort of became a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I then started doing movement therapy with a movement therapist she actually occupied a portion of the ballet studio that I was training at okay so this is all still going on while you're taking ballet using the the infrared bed okay Mm -hmm. okay yeah these were sort of the therapies that I was doing on the side to um help me okay because it was very stressful on my body and like I said those muscles were so angry in my back yeah I needed to do something Okay. And so the movement therapy was really kind of cool. It was this woman that occupied the same studio space at the um, ballet studio I danced at. And mm-hmm. so once or twice a month, I would book a session with her and we would just go into this room and she'd put on music and I would sit back to back with her. Okay. And she had a straight spine that was completely mobile. And okay. she would sort of start moving and I would like move with her. 
you were mirror, mirroring her. But I would close my eyes and we would just kind of do this beautiful back-to-back dance. Okay. And she would sort of arch her back, um, which would, or she would hunch her back, which would cause me to arch my Right. Okay. And, um, and she didn't do any massage work on me. It was just movement. And, and how did she it feel? Focused, it felt great. She focused a lot on my core muscles. So we did a lot of core strengthening. Okay. And I would come out of there and she would, I remember she would, my mom would be waiting in the car. Um, God bless my mom. She was with me through every step of this. And she wanted to be a ballerina when she was young. She didn't have the opportunity. And so in a lot she of ways, was determined. she was determined. Yeah. Yes. And living vicariously yeah. through me in the yeah. most supportive way. And yeah. I loved it. I loved it. So, you know, it's not like she was making me do it. I, I loved every bit of it. Right. And she would go up. Um, this instructor, Laura Peralta, may she rest in peace. She's no longer with us. Um, she would go up to my mom's car and have me turn around and she'd be like, feel your daughter's back, feel your daughter's back. And I swear to you, my back muscles, they were even for like the it, flat, like all these wow. muscles. Were, yeah. From this movement therapy. So Do you, I really believed in that. Yeah. Do you remember what the curves were at that time? At that time, oh gosh, no, probably not. But um, I think I was in, I think I was like 28, 30 degrees. Okay. So I started sort of around 20 at this point, okay. 14. At this point, I was probably um, 16, 17 okay. years old. Okay. So three to four years later. And then how long did you continue with the movement therapy? Until I graduated high school. Okay. Um, so when I graduate, so when I graduated high school, I was finishing off a six week ballet camp out at Ballet Austin. Um, and they, and I indicated I was interested in joining their company. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of, you know, this could have been my jumping off point. And so for the six weeks, they were sort of observing me and um, watching me and sort of coaching me. Mm-hmm. And they offered me a spot with their um, trainee program. So it's almost like ballet college if you okay. will okay um they weren't giving out scholarships to women to girls that year they were giving out scholarships to boys because they didn't have enough boys which is pretty common in the ballet world they, yeah there's not enough boys so they're always giving out scholarships to talented yeah. boys and it was a lot of money and um of course I called my parents and I was ecstatic I'm like they want me this is it yeah and um at the same time I kept my grades really strong in high school. Okay. And so at the same time that I was calling my parents saying, hey, they're offering me a spot in their trainee program. My parents were like, well, you just got a letter from um, ASU, Arizona State University, that you have a full ride to college, but you have to, you have to go now. And I always knew that I also wanted to pursue something in college as sort of a backup plan, but I was going to do it later in life. I was going to dance first Mm -hmm. and then go to college. Mm -hmm. But this was like a, you know, you either go right from high school into college and take this offer or it's gone. And so we sort of were weighing things. This ballet um, program was going to be really expensive. It didn't include room and board. My parents had already put so much money into my ballet. Yeah. Ballet is not cheap. No, and it was about to get even more expensive. And it just, and also looking at, you know, you want to go to college. Well, there, here it's paid for. So I made the very difficult decision. We made the very difficult decision as a family to turn down 
Valley Austin's offer. Okay. And I was going to try to pursue college and ballet at the same time and see, you know, start auditioning for companies and see if something, you know, mm-hmm. took off there. And then maybe I would cool it on the college, do the dance thing for a while. Okay. So I tried to do both, but I, I really started to enjoy what I was doing in college. So I did go to college. I started taking ballet classes with Ballet Arizona. Okay. Just to like start being in that professional realm. And I really didn't like it. Um, it, it, as you probably know, ballet is very cutthroat and um, very competitive, especially once you get into a company class. I'd never taken one before. Okay. And I, w- I was finding that I was a little bit too meek, a little bit too shy. I would stand in the back. I would get so nervous getting ready to go to a class. Yeah. And that I would become physically ill before each class. Okay. And uh, and the, the dancers weren't very welcoming. You know, everyone had their spot at the bar. And so I found yep. myself kind of, <laughs> you know, the mobile bars that you would drag out into the yep. middle of the studio. I'd find myself like hanging on to the end of it because nobody wanted to carve out a spot for the new girl. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? And I was really loving what I was doing in college. I've always been creative. I saw my brothers go through college before me. Mm-hmm. And they, um, one did architecture, one did graphic design, and I loved to draw also. I took like AP art classes in um, high school, so okay. I was really skilled in that as well. So I sort of wanted to follow in my brother's footsteps. I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I'm like, well, something creative, yeah. but something that is creative and tangible that you can actually make money off of. So I went into interior design. Okay. And I loved it. There was lots of drawing. It was super creative. Um, you know, I had been doing ballet up up until that point all of okay. my life. And so okay. it was a change of pace. Okay. I lived in the dorms and so I had that sense of independence. I wasn't dancing as often and I was actually feeling less stressed and more happy. It came to be clear as day one morning when I woke up in my dorm and I called my mom and I was crying and I said, I'm done. Quit. And I never really looked back. I dabbled in other forms of dance. I did some salsa dancing. I did ballroom for a bit. Okay. Um, now I'm not really doing anything and that's okay. But I, I would still like to find a way to sort of work it back into my life. But now okay. I've got these limitations with this fusion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, and I'm my own worst critic. And I'm like, I'm just scared that when I, if I take a ballet class or a ballroom class or a salsa dancing class, that I'm not going to be able to do what I used to be able to do. And it's going to make, it's going to depress me. So okay. I'm nervous to, to even take up a dance class. Well, you um, just have to come to terms with that. Your body moves differently. Yeah. And there. that's, that's, yeah, it's not always easy and it's a process and uh, you'll know when it's right on how to move. Yeah. That suits you. Yeah. So I just got to get there. I've, I've been going to the gym and I'm working out and really, I feel like there's nothing in that realm that I'm not really capable of. I was just going to interject. That's why I swing a mace. Yeah. Because I can dance. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just I because I can to dance. try that. I haven't yet. Well, we'll talk about it, but let's get into the surgery. Right. So you were, yeah. so you, so you stopped with, stopped uh, you stopped dancing well, and then what happened? Where, where did surgery, where did it take its turn? No pun intended. I think, I think it actually, I think actually that is um, what sort of 
quickened my journey towards surgery is then as a college student, I was sitting a lot and there was a lot of drawing and computer work. Mm -hmm. And so I was hunkered over these drawings mm -hmm. and sitting, 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 sitting all day long. Yeah. And that really started to aggravate my back. Okay. And then I felt like I could almost feel it getting worse. Um, feel it and I could see it getting worse. I could see myself becoming more asymmetrical in the mirror. Okay. Um, and, you know, I went to the doctor and yeah, they were tracking it. Um, I guess from age 20 to, at this point I wasn't going every year. I was kind of just going on an as needed basis. Okay. And so um, basically up until surgery, I went from like 30 degrees to almost 60 degrees. Okay. And how that was from 14 until when? That was, so from 14 until, when did I get surgery? Gosh, it's almost been three well, it's been two and a half years since okay. surgery. Okay. And I got surgery in 2019. So I was 30. Okay. When I got surgery. So it's almost, it's 30, uh, 31. 16 years, 15, 16 years. Yeah. I progressed okay. from about just shy of 20 degrees to, I, should, I feel like I should have my degrees committed to memory, but I don't quite remember. I think it was around 58 or 60 degrees. Okay. When I went in okay. for surgery. And what my doctor told me at that point was, you are, you are at a point where this will not get better. It will only get worse. And it's um, tracking to get worse at about one to two degrees every year. And he's like, so you, you have to get surgery. Okay. Um, you're still young and healthy and pretty able-bodied. I would recommend you get it done now, but it's not really causing any significant impact to your health yet. So he basically put the, the ball in my court and he said, it's up to you. I would do it now if I were you, because you'll bounce back from surgery quicker. We'll actually be able to get a better correction because mm -hmm. the worse it gets, the less we're going to be able to correct. Yeah. And here he told me, he's like, I'm not going to be able to make you perfectly straight. So I, I went into it understanding, okay, it won't be a perfect correction, but he'll do the best he can. Mm -hmm. And I actually was a little disappointed when I saw my first x-ray after surgery because I'm like, well, dang it, I still have a curve. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? But he brought me back to sort of where I started, which okay. was, I'm at like 18 degrees now. And I was going to say, and now you're just perfectly straight. Yes, I am perfectly straight. I couldn't look crooked if I look at myself in the mirror if I tried. Okay. Now, there is still some muscle asymmetry. Okay. And that's because I'm still slightly asymmetrical. I still have like, you know, an 18 degree curve mm -hmm. to the left. So my back is still slightly raised on okay. the left. Mm -hmm. Also because of the hardware, you know, that adds bulk to the spine. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not perfect, but, um, I, if I had, if I had it to do over, I would still get the surgery. Okay. And, yeah. and how has life been since the surgery? Fantastic. <laughs> really good I have almost a win well, I wouldn't say a hundred percent I'm not going to oversell it because I still have back pain okay <laughs> the other day I went on a really long walk I think it's because of the shoes I wore I it was a spontaneous decision I hadn't worked out yet that day I try to work out every day um health has, re has become really important to me now and so I said, well, screw it. I'll walk home. I got home and not, and my legs felt like jello, but my lower back was just, so if I'm going to get any back pain mm -hmm. post-surgery, it's my lower back. And okay. I can tell it's right below 
where I'm fused. Okay. So they fused me thoracic to lumbar. To, right. So, mm-hmm. From your T9 to L3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you I have, have just a few vertebrae left. You have, I was going to say, you have some mobility. I do. I can hinge at the waist. Yeah. yeah. I can hinge at my waist, but, um, you know, it's flat back all the way down. I can't create a it's like an curve anymore. It's like an ironing yeah. board. Yeah. It's just flat. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, when people find out that I have a, a dance background, I was like, I said, I have the best posture of anybody you'll ever know. And they're like, you do. And I'm like, yep, there's, there's some, it's not from dance. Yeah. <laughs> not from dance. I know when I went back to work, so you know, I've kind of relaxed into the fusion. So right. now, you know, I can actually, you can slouch with a fused spine. So, you know, I, I slouch my shoulders sometimes, but when I went in there, I was like, ding. <laughs> like sitting at my desk and everybody's like your posture they're like can I get a surgery like that (laughs) well yeah it doesn't actually work that way yeah Yeah. no you don't want to get this surgery because as happy as I am now it was and I know you know it was meaningful and terrifying I had some of the worst anxiety of my life the months leading up to the surgery so much so I went on anxiety medicine affecting my pre-op results Okay. So that was another thing. Um, when I went into my general doctor just to get checked out for surgery, you know, I didn't think it would be an issue. Everything else was fine, but my vitals, just like my basic vitals, yeah, were through the roof. And I have a bit of white coat syndrome. I've always had it, but it got worse as mm-hmm. I got closer to surgery. I think okay. I attributed this big life event to going to the doctor and so I would get very nervous when I would go and I was exceptionally nervous when I went for my pre-op appointment even though all they were doing was just checking my vitals yeah uh, it and my doctor said you know I'm sure you're fine and I told her too I'm like I'm feeling very anxious right now so sure you can't just sign off on the surgery and she said no not with vitals like these and so then she sends me to a cardiologist but at least you know if there is something wrong they'll find right. it mm-hmm. before putting me under and I had even worse vitals at the cardiologist, if you can imagine, because I'm nervous. And yeah, everything is everything is blood pressure monitor. And yeah. they hook me up to this EKG and they're like, we can't clear you for surgery either. They actually, the doctor prescribed a beta blocker, took wow. it. I, I lied down in bed and I could literally feel my heart beating so slow. So I called them the next morning. I'm like, um my heart was beating so slow last night. And I, as, as I was falling asleep, I would find myself sort of like waking up like I wasn't breathing. So wow. it, it had subdued my cardiovascular system so much that I was just like almost having sleep apnea. That's, that's the flip side of, I mean, like you've got one side that, you know, you're so anxious. Yeah. And now and you've got this other side that's like slowing you down. Out, I'm not even breathing. Right. Which is like also terrifying. So then he, he had me come in for echocardiogram, fine, to check the structure of my heart, yeah, everything yeah. was fine. So I go into this appointment to get my cardiac results, and he's like, you're fine. He's like, take your anxiety medicine. <laughs> you're clearly very anxious. And I said, that's what I've been trying to tell you guys. Yeah, it's like, thanks for telling me something I already knew. But, you know, with, with it came a lot of peace of mind. I, I, everything yeah. was checked out. And so I, I knew that I was healthy going under the knife. And then how, um, long, how long did the surgery last for? So mine was, I went in at like, I think it started at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And I came out at like 6. Okay. 
And how, how long were you in the hospital for? Three days. I was in the hospital for three days. And about day two, three, two and three. Mm -hmm. Does that seem like not enough or? Nothing. I was yeah. in the hospital for two weeks. Well, and so I think it was a also a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, when I got it done recently, modern day, they're like, oh, six weeks, three to six weeks, you'll be good. Back then, and I was even younger. Yeah. Oh, they were saying um, three to six months. That was then. He's like, we've made so many advancements. Yeah. Yeah, because I had my surgery uh, in May. I think it was May 19th. And by July, my, I just did, I just interviewed my mom for my podcast. And by July, what's that? Did your mom have scoliosis? No, but she talks about her story when I was diagnosed. And then also my daughter. So she filled in blanks that I didn't know about, but she said by July. She could probably fill in blanks for you also. <laughs> she could tell you the very accurate date to date. Yeah. Yeah. But but my mom said by July I was dancing again. She went back to dance after. I tried. Mm -hmm. I tried, but I auditioned for um LaGuardia High School and they saw my scar and they were like, nope, bye. Really? Yeah. And that was that was a hard blow. That hurt. So after that it slowly started to dwindle. Um, but that's why I dance with a mace. <laughs> So, okay, so you had the surgery and it was, you were in the hospital for three days. Three days, but you wouldn't believe it. The, um, somebody, I think they call them hospitalists. They work for like insurance. Okay. And they come around and they're, <laughs> they're like, you're ready to, you're going to be ready to leave soon. Right. And I was like on day two, you know, doped up like in so much pain because those first few days are. Yeah. They're excruciating. Easy are excruciating yeah i don't even know how to describe the pain but just pain <laughs> my whole torso in pain not to mention i was bloated because they put you on these narcotics and oh, tmi but like they they also can't let you leave the hospital until you've gone to the bathroom but yeah they're like you'll be ready to leave soon i'm like no <laughs> i'm not ready to go home like so you were in the hospital and then you went home went home and to my parents and then what was life like at home? Um, very painful. I thought it would be easier being at home because, you know, hospitals are uncomfortable mm -hmm. or so you think. But, you know, you've got a nice hospital bed. Yeah. <laughs> you've got people you at your beck and call. And my mom was fantastic. She's a, a retired RN. So okay. she was a nurse. She's a caregiver. So, you know, when I knew that I was staring down the face of surgery, I already knew I would come my parents house to recuperate and that my mom would do a wonderful job um but there were not she also knew the importance of not keeping me on the narcotics so as as they took as soon as I came home she started weaning me off of them okay and I think it was the right decision but at the time um my my pain was so bad there were nights where I would sit up on the edge of the bed and just weep <laughs> And my poor mom would hear me because I didn't want to bother her, but I was yeah. just I'm like, I don't know what else to do, but to just rock back and forth and cry. I'm in so much pain. And I would get up and like, because sometimes moving, you just, you got to move because sitting, yeah. the throbbing pain is just so much. 
and I would pace around this little bedroom. I had a little walker, <laughs> you know, uh, so that I would fall over and she would come in and sort of cry with me and, you know, give me a little bit more pain medicine. And that sort of went on for a week. So the weaning off of the, the pain meds was really um, horrible. Okay. <laughs> Just because of the level of pain. Because I, I think back to when I was taking the four, mm-hmm. four hours or something in the hospital. Loopy loop. A complete blur. But how is, how is life? So when, how long has it been since you've had the surgery? So my surgery was September 25th of 2019. Just before uh, COVID. Just before COVID, yeah. So I sneaked in there right before COVID. Yep. And and how is life now? It's amazing. Yeah, I'm actually so happy I got the surgery. So happy. And um, I was also prepared to have a big gnarly scar. Okay. Um, but my surgeon and, you know, I, I just wanted him to, I just said, make sure I wake up (laughs) from the surgery and then I can move my toes. I understand that there's going to be a scar and that's fine. I don't mind that, but he did such a cosmetic job of closing me up. When I look at my back now, like any normal person looking at my back, you would have to tell them. Yeah. This this woman has had surgery, find a scar. Otherwise it's, it's become such a hairline scar. Um, So I'm really pleased from that aspect. Um, But even just the way I feel, I'm way more confident. I had a lot of instances in in the ballet world where I would bend over to pick something up or I had a dance partner that would have to say something um, insensitive about my back. And I, I had no qualms about it. I would be like, I have scoliosis but I can do everything that every other dancer can do. Cause I have one partner that he was spinning me and he goes, he stopped me and he goes, whoa, there's something wrong with your back. And I said, oh really? <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah, you say, it feels weird when you spin. I feel like there's like a bump on your back. I said, yeah, I have scoliosis. And, and then did another- he, Did you know what that was? Um, I had to explain it to him. I said, my spine is curved but I can see dance. And he goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. But then I had another guy, I was bending over to pick up a dance bag or something. And he happened to catch my back. I was in a leotard. And he goes, whoa, 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 bend over again. And I said, no, (laughs) bend over again. And he goes, there's something wrong with your back. Did you know you've got like, you're really uneven? And so I had that same talk with him. I knew. <laughs> well, you, I, I love that you're so confident about even during the time where you before the surgery, you know, with these these male dancers who are like, what's wrong? And you're like, listen, I got, you know, I mean, I wish I wish we could all have yeah. that confidence with it. Um, if, if you could tell that that young ballerina, Carrie. Something, if you could tell her what life is like going to be what life is going to be like in down the road what would you say um i would actually tell her the same thing my my doctor told me and that is to keep dancing and if it's something you really want to do um you can do it in my case really the only reason i i 
actually, if I really think about it, I know I said prior that, you know, I just really wanted, I was really enjoying what I was doing in college. Mm -hmm. Um, What I should have shared was I was actually feeling the limitations of my own body and comparing myself to these professionals that I was dancing alongside. And um, unfortunately, I let my lack of confidence get in the way. So So don't, don't let your insecurities in your confidence or lack thereof hinder you from your passion. 100%. Because that, that, it did that for me. And I, I hate to say I regret it, but I regret letting myself get in my own way when it comes to ballet, because that's really why I think started to lose heart for it. Okay. Because I was just way too hard on myself and I just assumed with a back like mine, <laughs> I was never going to be that prima ballerina. So another lesson is don't be so hard on yourself. Just accept. Do not be so hard on yourself. Just accept. But you'll be back to dancing. And I maybe I will too. You'll be back. Just differently, I, but you'll be back. Love to put my point shoes back on, even just to stand in them. Mm-hmm. Um, which with I that, times, but. Yeah, with that, you'll be back. It'll just yeah. be different. Mm-hmm. It'll be different. And I won't be a professional, but that's okay. I will be dancing for myself. You don't have to be on a stage to dance. No, and I probably have too much anxiety now. I think back to like what I would have performances, and I'm like, how in the world did I do that? I must have blacked out. I think I did black out when I was on stage. Because <laughs> I, I actually remember it. I'm like, I don't know. I just went out there, and muscle memory kicks in. And, and you, just, you don't remember a thing, but somehow you get through it. Yeah, you'll you'll be you'll be back. You'll be back. It'll just be different with the limitations. Yeah. You when and I speak from my experience, obviously, but uh, you know, with the limitations that I have, and I'm I'm straighter than you are <laughs> with limitations. But I, you know, <clears throat> sometimes dance will be my warm up, or I, you know, or I, as you see, I dance with a mace because it gives me the freedom to explore my body in ways that, that don't seem obvious. And I love it. Sorry. And I, I love it. Mace dancing from you. Say again, sorry. I want to learn that mace dancing from you. I, I well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I would like to say, Carrie, thank you for taking time to be a guest on the show. If anybody would like to reach out to Carrie, you can find her on Instagram, the Care Bear. Oh, before we finish, she's going to tell us why 1111 are her lucky numbers. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this is going to take a bit of a departure into my um, romantic life. Okay. But I, um, I sort of actually right around my surgery, I sort of found myself in a, I was in a relationship that was um, not good. Okay. And someone from my past who really meant a lot to me, who I wish we never said goodbye, but we did, um, popped back up in my life. And, and when he did, I started to see the number 1111 everywhere and whether okay. I look at the clock and I'm like oh my god it's 11 11 again or a random uh, street sign or it just any way you can imagine I was seeing this number okay everywhere and then you know I sort of shared it with him and he started to see it 
everywhere. Um, and so now it's kind of our little nod to each other that, you know, we love each other. Um, is this, you know, he'll send me a screenshot on his phone. If we happen to look, at, if he happens to look at his phone, it's 1111. Or mm -hmm. I had a few instances of it this morning. There was a random photo that my brother shared with the family group chat and it was image number 1111 and so just small little things like that and it's um if you're a spiritual person or otherwise it means that your life is in alignment my spine is in alignment <laughs> i was just gonna like i was trying to put that together with that relationship that left in my head <laughs> yeah but it brought you to this point. It did. And, and everything it, is now in place. Yeah, everything's in alignment. Yeah, so if you start seeing that number. <laughs> if anybody starts seeing that number, pay attention. Being open to seeing it and um, letting it be an acknowledgement to your soul. And, and that's why I changed my Instagram name to the Care Bear 1111. That makes um, total sense. It resonated with me so much. And also, um, this man that has come back into my life calls me Care Bear. <laughs> and it, it, it's always been such a term of endearment. And mm -hmm. when we reconnected, and it was the first thing he said to me, we actually ran into each other in a coffee shop. And he came up to me and he goes, hi, Care Bear. And so it's just all of these emotions just came flooding back and... I was gonna say, I don't know you very well. I mean, I barely know you, but somehow I can see the name Care Bear resonating with you further down the road for people that are coming into your life. Because I know, for instance, you are with dogs, right? You're a dog mama. But I, I, I get the feeling from you that it's gonna, you're just gonna continue to care. And it, whether it's with your clients, you know, in the numbers of alignment, it will all happen. Yeah. It will all happen. Carrie, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the Scoliosis Podcast. Again, if anybody would like to reach out to Carrie, you can find her, the Care Bear 1111. Thanks for yeah. being a guest. Thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm happy to share my story or help anybody else through their journey because I know it's scary. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.